Hey, hi! Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Saul Williams, an author, actor, poet, and hip-hop pioneer who's performed with everyone from Allen Ginsberg to the Fugees. He made his big-screen debut as the lead of Mark Levin's indie drama Slam in 1998. Last year, he starred in and scored Charles Officer's Aquila's Escape, a thriller about a mid-level drug runner who finds himself at a crossroads after a botched robbery. It just won five Canadian Screen Awards last month, and it's available on VOD across North America today. You should watch it. Saul picked Lover's Rock, the second feature in Steve McQueen's Small Axe collection of films about England's West Indian diaspora. This one is set over a day and a night in 1980, where a few dozen people gather for a dance party in a West London house. It's an immersive, almost experiential film with the camera moving through the crowd, capturing moments of joy, anger, connection, friction, pretty much everything, really. It's like nothing McQueen's ever attempted before, and it also kind of feels like the best thing he's ever done. Maybe that's why. This is someone else's movie. I chose Lover's Rock because I I feel like... uh... Aquila's escape and and Charles and all of his humility. Um, I, I believe that that this film is is in a sense in conversation with the film like Lovers Rock, which um, which focuses on once again uh, Jamaican migration. Mm. Um, this time in in Lovers Rock to to the UK to London, whereas Aquila's escape focuses on the Jamaican migration to to the US and and Canada. Um, Charles's interest in music in Aquila's Escape um, is is you know you see it in the intro of the film like the way that that music ties into that story and and throughout the film and in what me and 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 Robert Del Naja were were working on in in the score and what have you um, Lovers Rock is is a masterwork right um, clearly and simply a masterwork. In, in storytelling, in 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 images, in their relation to music, um, in in bringing out the the spirit, the true spirit of the music and how it touches and reaches people, um, and it's a wondrous journey you know it's 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 a very short film i think it's 72 minutes or something you know it's a it's a wondrous journey just into a party into one night um where we see you know the the speakers and the party being set up and 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 the people starting to trickle in and and what happens when that sound system starts working and and my favorite parts of of that film are are revolve around how the music affects the body language and the storytelling, um, what it brings out in the people and how Steve McQueen was able to to capture that in its essence. You know, it's such a it's such a powerful statement. One, just because the role that 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 reggae, that that roots music from Jamaica, um, plays in the broader spectrum of music in the broader spectrum of i will say even science fiction because you know we're talking about the invention of the echo machine we're talking about 
uh, you know, the invention of dub. We're talking about the invention uh, and enhancement of, of what we can expect from an electric bass and the idea of the space sound, mm. right? Um, and, and in that sense, even before uh, a term like Afrofuturism is coined, um, the music represents that. And there's something in that, that relationship to the, the, you know, overbearing colonial presence of, of the reason why Jamaicans end up migrating to Jamaica or the States <laughs> or Canada, yeah, you know, yeah. um, versus the strength of that music and, and, in, and in the sense of, of, of Lover's Rock, the, the strength of, of, of that story, of that glimpse into a world, into a night, you know, it's such a interesting relationship, music and film. Because, and, and I don't want to overstep, you know, um, what is allowed to be said, but I, I've been thinking about the fact that in a sense, music doesn't need film. Sure, yeah, I mean, it, you put on, you know, you can put on a song and, and close your eyes and that's enough. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's more than enough, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it illuminates a world whether, you know, um, a director is present or not. But cinema benefits greatly from music. And the combination of that when it's when it's masterfully done just just lifts us lifts the human experience. I mean that that is the reason why we have the popularity of musicals, whether you know in in the Anglophone, you know, uh, film format or, or in India or and across the world, um, the connection of music with images and storytelling um, somehow brings us closer to a celebration of humanity. You yeah, know? I, I see what you mean. I mean, the, the standard line on musicals for me has always been that people burst into song when spoken words simply can't contain the the passion or the or the emotion that they're trying to express but it also works um non-diegetically obviously in soundtracks and things that can that can can goose an image but then, then there's something like lover's rock where at the end of the film there is a score credit which i had completely missed i didn't notice yeah. anything that wasn't being played by the characters but it's there it's there to just, to just flow it along a little bit better his and it's so unlike anything else McQueen has ever done. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about hunger and um, and shame and Twelve Years a Slave, where the music is used almost surgically, right, to to underscore something, like literally, obviously, underscore something, but to make his points in just a tiny, more precise way, uh, or something like Widows, where there's constant radio music pouring in to tell us which universe we're in, like whose worlds we're watching um, in the stratification of that, of that movie's narrative. And then he does small acts and they're five feature films and they're all 
more or less, I mean, they're all clearly made by him. They're all Steve McQueen projects and yeah. they have a consistent vision, but this is so unlike anything else because it is just, I, I hesitate to use the word ethnography because that sounds like I'm putting mm-hmm. them at arm's length, that the characters that I can't relate to the characters in any way, but he is really showing us the way that that immigrant culture has clarified into its little this little space where everyone can finally stop pretending to be assimilated. They can revert to patois or whichever tones that they want to use with each other. There's stuff they do together that they don't do elsewhere in the world. And we're just plopped in there with the camera and allowed to experience it. And it doesn't matter if I catch every reference because the meaning is clear. And the 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 sense, I mean, Again, you know, like his his silly game scene, which goes on for yeah, something like nine or on. ten minutes, and apparently just happened, according to all the notes <laughs> I've read. They didn't plan for it to go that long. The actors just got into it and wouldn't stop. <laughs> and there exactly. are, you feel that, yeah, that's and the power that's the power of music, and that's why I would say, you know, even that it, it may be his most personal film or the film that is closest to his heart as music, you know, with its drum beat is, is always close to the heart. Um, you know, it's, it's true that, that in, in, in the strictest terms, a, a musical is, is there, like you said, where the, um, where the word, where the music and the songs come in, where in the spaces where the words, you know, won't do it justice or the dialogue, simple dialogue won't do it justice. Of course, some of my, like one of my favorite musicals actually is, is a, is a film called Once, for example, you know, Um, and which I consider a revolutionary musical because it, the music in that film happens in real time as it happens in our life. Like if I were to say, yo, have you heard this song? Check it out. And I play it and the course of us listening to that song is in the film in real time. And, and Lover's Rock is, you know, corresponding with that idea as well, is that we have these songs in real time and, um, and we're living through the moment, just as the actors were, you know, with, with that silly game scene, which is, which is just <laughs> groundbreaking, groundbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And and he knew it would work, right? That's the thing that amazes me about McQueen is his absolute um, confidence in pulling off the, the stuff he's attempting. He's not doing anything truly radical, I don't think, other than just letting the camera run and, and trusting his actors. As, as a director in the moment, I think mm-hmm. that's something people do. But then just letting it go and then putting it in the film and letting it go and not worrying about cutting it out or cutting around it and just letting it move and build and breathe. I think the the radical act when it comes to uh you know a lot of 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 black cinema is is in revealing um you know us in our most relaxed and truest form. We've been so overwhelmed and and, and bombarded with caricatures, mm. you know, of 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 you know people from from our various communities and diaspora communities. That when you get a taste of something real, um, and to be able to break through the barriers and the uh, the, the the gatekeepers and and the producers and and are able to to get something real in a film that truly represents 
a true visceral response, whether it's to music or an idea or what have you, um, through and from the Black experience, that that in itself is the radical act, you know? And so I see a film like Lovers Rock as, as, as a radical act in its entirety, you know? Yeah, in its entirety, you know, in terms of narrative, story structure, um, in terms of cinematography, um, in terms of sound, um, and in terms of freedom, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've I've um, I've spoken to McQueen a few times over the years, and he's just his his energy is so. That's the other thing that strikes me about Lovers Rock. It is calm and groovy in a way that mm-hmm. he is not. He's he's a big agitated guy. He's he's. Uh, I watched him become incredibly uncomfortable with a photographer, not in a negative like he wasn't angry or offended that his picture was being taken. It was it was a photo session, but he. Just you could feel that he was responding to the moments like if it had been his finger on the shutter, it would have snapped then. And you could just kind of <laughs> feel him just itching to get it right. And his sense of of, of movement um, as a person is so weirdly opposed to the movies he makes because he does these gorgeous patient shots and these gliding cameras. And there's a serenity to a lot of his work that doesn't it does not come out of him at all it's it's clearly a conscious effort to create it and that well, is yeah you know i i think that's 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 true of a, of a lot of people who 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 touch that level of mastery uh in their craft i mean as you were speaking i was thinking of someone like miles davis mm-hmm. um you know whose work expresses this this unique vulnerability in its sound you know And it may not be the reportage that we have of that guy offstage, right? Um, I recently read uh, Cicely Tyson's um, autobiography, which is perhaps the first time that that I was able to look at Miles Davis in that light of being very much like his music. Because all the other reportage was about this guy who was this way or that way. But she was like, no, he was he was soft. He was the most gentle heart I ever met. You know, and um, but yeah, I, I understand that dichotomy between you know the the person, the director, um, who who's this way, but they're that way in order to achieve that stillness, in order to achieve that serenity, and um, which is why you know a film like that is a gift. It's a gift to the viewer. It's a gift to us, which to me is the highest form of of sharing. Um, whether it's in cinema or, or, or any art form, when, when the work gives you so much and you personally did nothing to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> you did nothing to earn it. And thank you. Thank you, Steve McQueen, you know, um, for, 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 you know, such a kind act. And I'd have a similar feeling with, um, with Charles and Akilah's Escape, you know, where he, you know, you know Charles personally as I do, um, and and such a big, warm heart that he has, you know, and the story that he chooses to tell and the way that he chooses to tell it, um, for those of us who are touched by it, it is once again a gift. It's a uh, thank you, 
Thank you for putting the story in this light. Thank you for, 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 you know, the level of attention and intention that you put into this story. Um, yeah, it's a gift. That's definitely how I felt about uh, something like Unarmed Verses, where he just captures a moment of connection and trust between a young artist and a mentor that mm -hmm. I remember watching it and thinking, I shouldn't be here. Like, it's so intimate that I shouldn't actually be looking at this. This is the creation of this bond, this thing that's happening. They're making art together. It's actually kind of similar to watching Once, uh, now, that, now that I think yeah. about it, because that's... That's also my favorite kind of musical. It's the moment where you mm -hmm. see creation happen, not just the yeah. experience of listening, but the experience of finding. The, um, exactly. There's a there's a TV series. It's on Peacock in the US, and I think it's on Showcase in Canada called We Are Lady Parts about a Muslim, a group of Muslim 20-somethings uh, forming a punk band in London. And Ooh. it's it is so much fun and it's smart and it's lively and it allows these women to exist on a spectrum of personality. It, it absolutely yeah. doesn't care about Muslim identity as a monolith. It explores yeah. every angle. And watching Lovers Rock, I was feeling a connection there as well because it's that moment of, I guess the only way I would describe it is honesty, right? When there's nothing else but what's happening and there's no point that the relationship that forms yeah. uh, over the course of, of the movie is pure and honest and it's based on it there's attraction but then there's also yeah. that moment where people see who the other is and fall in love instead of yeah. just being drawn to each other yeah and i think that's something it's something i look for as well that type of honesty and it's something that i think some people might have a hard time articulating in relationship to fiction mm -hmm. you know Sure. Because usually when we talk about honesty in, in filmmaking or what have you, I guess we, we go to the idea of, of, of reality and documentary making and all that. But but you it, it can't but honesty is something I look for in 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 a film, um, even in, and especially when it's fiction as well. You know, there's a level of honesty, um, authenticity um, in the craft that speaks through, you know, the imagined realm. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's so important and, and it can be so graceful when it's done properly, you know, so yeah. touching and, and so inspiring. Yeah. His textures are part of it too. I think, uh, especially in Lover's Rock, the care that's being taken as the furniture is being moved and moved out mm -hmm. of, the, of the building, the, um, the food, There's the food, food well prepared. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the people in the room singing silly games, which sets up yep. what comes later. Um, yep. So effortlessly and to the point where if, and if it, even if it never picked up again, if that song hadn't been played, that scene initially would still be invaluable. Yeah. Because again, they're just they're relaxed into it. They're, they are being themselves together and enjoying the song. And then there's that one moment where one of the women, one of the cooks, hits the high note and everybody else just sort of stops because, you know, she can take it, let her have it. And it just plays the joy in her face as she's singing along. He, he gets it in. I mean, I don't doubt for a second that he's rebuilding a world. He remembers that this right. is his. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the editing room, you know, yeah. because 
when you're in the editing room, you have choices. And, and it's there that you can also make, you know, dishonest or inauthentic choices, but choosing those moments properly um, is also an extraordinary craft, an extraordinary craft to bring out the essence of that story. Um, it enriches, yeah, the experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, 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 uh, it's also a beautifully edited film. <laughs> yeah, and and almost uh, invisibly so because so many takes are very long and very maintained. I mean, I know there's some tricking going on in there just yeah, so yeah. you can fit the camera in the room and make sure yeah. that the shot seems continuous. But there's, I don't know, what is it, six minutes of of someone mm-hmm. just dancing and losing himself. Come on now, I as mean, that song plays, and it's yeah. yeah. I mean that that's what we're living for, you know that that that's what. That's what the Marvel Universe will never deliver. <laughs> you know? um, th- this is why, you know, yeah, th- these are these are like the the real living superheroes that that achieve such such greatness in in, in with such simplicity. Okay, now I do want to see a one-take Squirrel Girl movie just to see what happens. But I think that would be (laughs) very expensive and almost impossible to make. (laughs) But yes, I mean, the and the the fact that it doesn't shy away from the danger of something like this, that that first the at first there are police sirens outside constantly that no one pays any attention to. And I of course, you know, our time being what it is, I'm just braced for something absolutely awful to happen to these people. But the racism that it doesn't shy away from the racism, there is some, and it's there, but it's it's an externalized thing that because of the happiness in the space, nobody really thinks about. If you leave, it's there. But if you stay inside, you're safe and and comforted by people. Everyone is I mean, protecting yeah, I everyone mean, else. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're in England, and and just as you know, I'm here in America. I think we know that it's always present, mm-hmm. you know. But music is a sanctuary, and 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 the safe space that they find, and of course, you know, it's not a safe space for everybody present, you know, um, in the story, um, you know. But uh, music itself, and 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 when we are in the presence of each other, and and allowing ourselves to to kind of ceremoniously lose ourselves in music, um, there is a a sense of being able to let down some guards, you know. Um, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, there is an assault that that happens in yeah. the film and yeah. it can't, I don't want to overlook it, but it is, I think it's very important to the narrative and the structure of the film that McQueen shows us that it can only happen outside of the house, that it has to be, she, she has to follow him away mm. from the safety of the space. In order to, yeah. It's, and then, and then of course they're, they're disrupted. Then it, it yeah. at least, you know, it is, it's um, I, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying, I don't want to belittle the moment because I'm sure that sort of thing, is very real and, and a very yeah. real threat. But within the film, it happens and is diffused very, very quickly because the community is still working, because people are looking out for each other, because people are caring about each other and checking on each other. And I think that's the takeaway. I, I remember when the film first came out, there was some attempts to say that it was downplaying the assault. But I think the point of this film is that the assault doesn't happen because of the strength of the people, of the community that's 
active in that space. And that later when we see genuine intimacy, it's short-circuited by the return of you know, what, what England in 1980 perceived as order by a white guy coming in and saying, stop that, mm. which, you know, not in a, he doesn't think he's acting maliciously, but we're allowed to see what it does, mm-hmm. I think is, is what I'm trying to articulate. And I think that's actually even sadder in a way to realize that, that they've left the safety of, of the, the party, that the party's literally over. And now they'll probably figure things out together and they'll probably be happy, but Right now, in this moment, they're still subject to someone else's rules. Yeah, I think that's a fair interpretation. And it's a heartbreaker. And I, I, I'm glad, too, in a weird way, that the movie doesn't let us off the hook as viewers, that we have to understand why this is going on and why things are the way they are. I mean, all of Small Axe is about that, of course. But mm-hmm. Exactly. But I was maybe, worried's the wrong word, but since it was only the second one in the series, I was trying to figure out exactly what the arc and the intention of the whole thing was and that it is so joyful compared to mangrove which is so well not um to have it snap back at the end and say no this is the mission statement this is all this is what they're all going to be about it is important right that needs to happen it's powerful it's yeah. powerful it's powerful and and it also brings you back to uh even the crux of of what the type of storytelling that's even happening in within a lot of reggae and and i mean lovers rock is a particular form of reggae that is you know um romance and and, and love oriented but it comes from a broader spectrum of music that is political mm-hmm. you know yep. in its strength um and uh and so of course of course you know, we have to get back to to the roots of, of of why we have to, you know, what put us in the position to even come up with these sounds or these stories, you know. And so, yeah, that's that's another uh, brave choice by by Mr. McQueen. Yeah. Well, he does that. They're necessary. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He just pushes into whatever the subject matter is and finds it. Yeah. It sounds like something a film critic would, I mean, I am a film critic. It sounds like something I'm obliged to say, but that he can find the beating heart of whatever story he's telling um, and then show you why you need to care as well. Like find the yep. urgency in the moment, not just depict it. Yeah. And I, I uh, my, my wife is from the North of England. So I have some knowledge. I've been, you know, steeped in Northern soul and, and mm-hmm. uh, we both kind of had, the, we had, different box sets of Trojan stuff when we met, but mm-hmm. they've, they've harmonized. So I'm aware of it, but I'm not going to pretend that I feel it or understand it on the same level as these characters. I can, but I can see because of McQueen's camera, I can see why they need it so much. Just that moment where everyone starts chanting about the mercury sound. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the film does not explain it. I know what it is. <laughs> it's not important anyway. It's, it's theirs, right? It's the thing that they are turning into a power chant. Mm-hmm. because it's their thing and yep. they're also happy to hear it and they're also happy to say it and you're creating this portrait of as as does all of the small act series you're creating this portrait of resilience and spirit and and it just it's about survival right like it's about the continuance of it from episode to episode and story to story well yeah you know that that moment you're talking about makes me think of a um a poem, an old, old poem I have that, that begins, uh, dear God, I wasn't breastfed and most of my conversations with men seem to revolve around music. I'm no musician, but the pain has been instrumental, you know? And 
what I mean there, and I, it is about that sense of amongst these groups that have these experiences that are so heavy and and nonstop. Um, that, you know, that begin way before, you know, residential schools or George Floyd or anything like that. Mm. The, the levity that we find sometimes in discussing music, like others find levity in, in going in about sports, I guess, you know, mm. um, I'm more on the music side. <laughs> well, art is where we find it, <laughs> you know. But but yeah, there's there's a there's a levity and, and excitement in going on about you know the Mercury sound or you know or, or in, in finding that connection and trying to articulate why it's so important and what that means. I mean, I grew up in in New York in the '80s, you know, at during the birth of, of hip hop, you know, and yeah. um, and we discussed you know, the sound of Rakim and, and, and Public Enemy and the Bomb Squad and KRS-One with the same, like, you know, intensity and like, no, 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 no. This is the definitive, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we could go on for hours and, and many of us still are, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's a, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful and resonant um, part of the culture, you know? And that's a that's another example of something beautiful, simple, like you said, not even explained to be shared that gives you something that you you didn't ask for, you didn't earn, but that gives you a glimpse into something beyond, you know, the rudimentary like points of of a story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a just a, a privilege to be able to glimpse it, to see yep. it, to be part of it for a second yep. and be carried away with it. Um, and this is sort of an awkward shift because it's such a recent film. Usually the podcast ends with the question, you know, like, what of this work have you, is there anything of this work that you've borrowed or incorporated or referenced or, or just been inspired by, but it is so new and, and I'm not totally sure how that works. Obviously, there's nothing in Achilles Escape that can connect to it. But your score for that film is sort of the literal heartbeat of the film. It moves and rises with Achilles as he moves through the world. And mm -hmm. in, in the flashbacks, its textures are different and in a really, really subtle way. And in that way, I think about Lover's Rock using the tempo of the songs and the DJ's choices to move the story along. Is that is that just a universal reality when you're crafting the score for something, or is it just something that worked here? Uh, I can't speak of the universal reality because I haven't scored many films. But this, you know, this is this was the the second film that I scored, um, and and truly um, because of this sort of synergy that that Charles and I had already established way before, you know, Aquila was 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 written and thought up um, the relationship that we both have to music and certain sounds. Um, I knew, okay. I knew in fact, you know, the way, the way that, that this thing came about was he, um, he first presented the film to me as an actor. Like, I want you to play this part. And then he said, like maybe a week later, you know, I also want you to do the music. And I was I was in the midst of reading and rereading the script and was very much, you know, like, uh, 
uh, I don't need to hear that right now. I'm focusing <laughs> as an actor and I can't even imagine what, you know, what it would be like to, to create music for a film that I'm acting in. I, I don't know. But then, you know, just a little while later, I was, I was already in the process of collaborating with uh, Robert Del Naja for Massive Attack. We were just throwing ideas back and forth online for, for nothing, just as friends. And as I'm reading the script, I start to imagine like, wait a second, maybe some of these ideas have a home here at sea. And I shared a few ideas uh, with Robert's permission with, with Charles and he lost it. <laughs> <laughs> and he lost it. And then I had the weirdest experience of him sending me back edits with me in it and trying to craft the music <laughs> to these, yourself yeah. yeah to myself to these scenes and but it worked it worked seamlessly and magically and when i sent that back to him it was it was a done deal you know so so it made a lot of sense and and then on the flip side of that was that because of course we're all multifaceted here is that simultaneously at that time I was in the process of uh, completing the script for a musical that um, right after I shot Akila, we went to my wife and I um, went to Rwanda to shoot. It's called Neptune Frost and it's a sci-fi musical. And so even in connection to Lover's Rock, you ask, you know, about that inspiration and was I able to apply that inspiration to anything? Because, of course, I saw Lover's Rock after Akila was finished. Mm -hmm. um, but, I, but I saw Lover's Rock as we were in the editing room because uh -huh. we for the entirety of the pandemic up until this moment. Like we just finished coloration last week. Um, we've been in the editing room with with Neptune Frost and because it is a musical that that lives in the world of musical that I've been dying to experience. You know, we talked about once and, and the way that music can live mm -hmm. in a film versus the traditional, you know, great white way, Broadway, da da da. Um, yes, yes, yes. Um, it is truly something to, 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 to find a way to, to, to make those choices where the music as the actors were losing themselves in it can, can exist in a moment, you know? And so, yeah, your question was about the score to Achilles escape. And, and I guess I kind of wove it into to also to, to Neptune frost, just because I was already in the midst of connecting sound to music. I mean, uh, sound to, to images, sound, right, right. you know, um, but as I was working on the score of Aquila, Neptune wasn't shot yet. Um, and, 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 and small acts had not been released. Um, but yeah, Lover's Rock has certainly inspired, um, you know, part of our process in the editing room, um, for Neptune Frost. So it's all connected. It's for me, it's, it's all connected. No, that's wonderful. I love it when you find the continuum like that, when you can actually yeah. see where something starts and finishes. Yep. Oh, that's wonderful. And and it's going to Cannes. 
Yes, it was uh, just announced um, that we have been selected for the Directors Fortnite um, competition at Cannes 2021. So we are on our way. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, yeah. be safe with it. Have a great time. And uh, hopefully um, it'll come to TIFF and, you know, I can see you then. I hope so. Fingers <laughs> crossed. My thanks to Saul Williams, who stars in and scores Charles Officer's new film, Aquila's Escape, which is now available on digital VOD platforms across North America. Thanks also to Laura Steen. She knows what she did. And check out Charles's episode, which we recorded when Aquila's Escape premiered at TIFF last fall. He picked Carlito's way. It made sense. You can find Saul on Twitter at Saul Williams, all one word, and you can find Lover's Rock on Amazon Prime Video in the US and Canada, and on the BBC iPlayer in the UK. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com, where I'm hosting a bunch of podcasts these days and writing the weekly Now Streaming newsletter, to which you can subscribe at NowToronto.substack.com. And you can find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. Our theme song is by The Last Year. If you like it, or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you've been enjoying us. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're there. I did an episode of The Big Story just last Friday about the return of appointment television. That was fun. Stay home. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out. Get your shot when you can. I'll see you soon.